Don't know exactly where he ended up in tackles, but I'm going to tell you right now, that dude was in gaps. He led BYU with 15 tackles and was tied for the solo stop lead with six. He had a pass breakup on the day. He was in gaps. He was in coverage. He had the big stop on the fourth down attempt when when Oklahoma State was going for it on fourth and what was a half yard or, or a yard. A.J. Von Pachon kind of comes over the top and gets that stop. He was on the spot through the entire game. So I'm going to give it to A.J. Von Pachon. Now to our Palmer's Metal Mart, Steel Man of the Game, brought to you by Palmer's Metal Mart, everyone's metal store for over 30 years. Proud sponsor of BYU football, all types of steel products from tube, pipe, rebar, metal roofing, and so much more, jobs big or small. Palmer's Metal Mart is everyone's metal store. So you went on defense for the Waystar star of the game. Where do you go for the steel man of the game? Well, I'm going to do defense, but it's a bit of offense because this guy converted on a fake punt. He ended up with a sack. He had some great tackles. Tyler Batty is going to get the steel man because he really did hold up, especially through the first half of this game. I felt like Tyler Batty was a on the outside. He had some good pressures outside of his sack, and I felt like Tyler Batty put together a good performance. Would you let me join you uh, with a co- Please. Steel man of the game? Please do it. Nerves of steel for Will Farron. And yeah. Will Farron is the co-steel yeah. man of the game today. He goes two for two, both field goals outside 40, a 42 and a 48 on a wet day, and the 48 came on the final play of regulation to get BYU into overtime. So we'll have uh, we'll have Will Farron and Tyler Batty share the uh, steel man of the game award. I, I like it. I can take that very well. And I, I tell you, that kick that he put through the uprights, you know, those kickers, it's so funny when it's rainy and drizzly and ugly weather. They carry that football around like it's a baby. They keep it in warmers, and you know, they keep rubbing it to keep it soft and pliable so when they boot it, it doesn't break their their foot. And he did a great job of being prepared, being ready, and, and knocking it through. When his name was called, yep. he did and he did it all year, really, Greg. Yeah, Cougar Nation only wishes tonight's kick meant more. Got BYU into overtime, and the Cougars could not get out of overtime with the win. Big O Tires, Cougar Post Game Live continues from Stillwater after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. All right, so back here in Stillwater, Boone Pickens Stadium. BYU ends the year on a five-game slide. Man alive, at 5-2, and two, the Cougs needed one win. Can't believe it. Final five games to get to a bowl game. It never came. It I, never came. I can't believe it. I called that Texas Tech game the Alamo. <laughs> I said, if they couldn't win that Texas Tech game, I said, there's no chance. They're not getting postseason play they won it but they won that texas tech game and i thought oh surely you're gonna find one maybe it's that west virginia or that iowa state game you're gonna find one at the time oklahoma state had lost to south alabama they didn't look real good and you're thinking oh maybe it's the last one (sighs) but for crying out loud man five games rolled by and too many mistakes and too many letdowns too many bad moments and and again you could go to just a few plays and you could say, man, I, I think it was over right there. The the pick six on the two-yard line, I, I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. I almost feel like I was a player in the game when that happened. For some reason, it is so etched in my brain, the memory of seeing that defender scoop that thing up and go 100 yards. Those are the little moments that you got to clean up and you can't have. 
but Jake Retzloff now with two years of eligibility left, you know, and we start to talk about what this BYU football team is going to look like in 2024 when the Big 12 reshapes with the four corner schools and everything that's coming. Greg, it's it's only going to get harder. You know, I know that the Big 12 loses Texas and Oakland, but this conference is only going to get better. It's going to get better. It's tough. BYU didn't get better after halftime today. BYU led 24 to 6 at the break. The Cougs are out gaining OSU at halftime, 202 to 169. And uh, we're a good yard better than Oklahoma State in yards per play. In the second half and overtime, BYU was outgained 334 to 125. So a nearly 3 to 1 margin in yardage after halftime. It was just a tale of two halves for BYU today. They could not move the ball. And, and the first drive of the second half, which was a 3 and out, was unfortunately a sign of things to come. BYU's first drive went nowhere. OSU's first drive got big chunks, and that was kind of the way the second half went. The Cougars were a drive stop away, a score away from winning this football game, and it did not come. The only score in the second half came on the final play of regulation with that, with that field goal. No touchdowns after a three-touchdown first half for BYU. Well, it was interesting because Oklahoma State was so stalled out in the first half with six points, only two field goals. And then Alan Bowman comes out of the second half, Greg, and he starts dialing up the slants and the outs. It was really, it was two routes. It was two routes that did the damage. It was the slants and the outs. And he was hitting them with consistency. One deep corner route that he completed. But he was releasing that ball early. Those receivers were breaking. And when BYU's defense would play aggressive and throw those receivers off the routes, there, there were incompletions. There were interceptions. But... I thought that Alan Bowman did a really good job in the second half of trying to find his passing stride with just some timing routes. And then you let Leon Johnson back in it. Brennan Presley I thought was really good. Rashad Owens had a couple of good grabs for Oklahoma State, and they got going with the passing game, but but continued with Ollie Gordon as well. It was an 11-point game late in the third quarter. BYU still led by two scores. Eddie Heckard makes a play that you think might end up being the play of the game defensively. He has a toe-tap pick on the sideline that gives the ball back to BYU with an 11-point lead. BYU entered the fourth quarter with an 11-point lead. BYU under Kalani Sitake has not been giving up third-quarter leads. In fact, this was the 60th game in the Kalani era that BYU's led going into the fourth quarter. BYU was 54-5 and coming in two today with a lead after three. Wow. And that double-digit lead went away. And Oklahoma State erased the entire deficit and erases BYU's season in the final game of this season. Sends BYU into the offseason with no postseason at 40-34 to in double overtime. Today's final. We'll come back with more of Big O Tires. Cougar Post Game Live here in Stillwater on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. On a cold and rainy day in tonight here in Stillwater, Oklahoma State 40 and BYU 34 in double overtime. Things flipped at halftime. BYU 24-6 the lead at the break and then gets outscored 34-10 the rest of the way, including overtime sessions. Fans of tailgating is not your thing, but you still want to eat good after the game. JCW's has mouth-watering burgers and shakes the whole family can enjoy. JCW's quality and a lot of it. Yards and a lot of them for Ollie Gordon in this one. The leading rusher in the country ran for a buck 66. I beg your pardon, we'll double-check that number. He actually ran on the day for... Yeah, 166 on 34 carries. Uh, five touchdowns, including overtime scores 
averaging five yards a carry. Aiden Robbins went 16 for 74, averaging 4.6 yards per carry on this day. Alan Bowman, 31 for 47 for 321. No touchdowns and two picks, and OSU survives that game. He had a pass efficiency rating of 114.8, but Jake Retzloff was under 100, 91.7 on 14 for 30, so a 47% pass completion day for Jake Retzloff. Gave you Gordon's rushing numbers, gave you Robbins' rushing numbers to the receiving game. Leon Johnson, 9 for 132 to pace OSU, and Brennan Presley after a 15-catch game against Houston, only 9 today, 9 for 90 for Brennan Presley. Those were the leading receivers for the home team. BYU led by Cody Epps, 5 for 53. Isaac Rex is 3 for 23. And Keanu Hills, 2 for 69. A one-catch, four-yard day for BYU's leading receiver on the season. That's Chase Roberts. Roberts led BYU with 41 catches for 569 coming in two today. One catch, four yards for Roberts. An unusual game for him. And there was a couple of targets at him that were really just missed thrown. And I, you could see almost frustration on his hand, on his face when some of those balls were thrown outside of his reach. Uh, he looked a little bit frustrated on the day. Um, you know, I I was uh, hoping to see a little bit more of Darius Lassiter because Darius had some great early season success and became such a weapon. And I wonder how good he was health-wise because he had no no catches tonight. I don't, I don't, and he was on the field infrequently, rarely today. Yeah, I saw him on a couple blocking plays. Yeah, but not, not targeted and didn't play a lot. And you got to wonder just how much health he got at the end of the year when he did come back to play. So it was Epps for five catches, Rex for three, Hill for two, Marion for two, and then singles for Batty on that fake punt, Roberts and Robbins. So BYU completes 15 passes on a day that OSU completes 31. And the throw game just wasn't consistent enough for BYU on this day. 40-34, to 34, double overtime OSU into the Big 12 title game against Texas. And BYU into the offseason after five straight bowl games. No postseason for BYU in its first season as a Big 12 conference member. More from Stillwater after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. With more post-game reaction, here's Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, with more Cougar post-game live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It is Bingo Tires, Cougar post-game live back in Stillwater. BYU falls to Oklahoma State 40-34 in double overtime. Eddie Heckert had a heck of a day today. Eddie with two more picks on the day, 12 for his college career, five here at BYU, another touchdown, three career scores, two as a BYU Cougar. Eddie popping on the headset for a moment uh, outside the Cougar locker room. Eddie, Greg, and hands upstairs. First of all, uh, thank you for taking a minute. Uh, tough one today for the guys, but man alive, uh, <laughs> you balled out, uh, and, and it was a tale of two halves it felt like today uh, for BYU. How did you see this one, Eddie? Uh... You know, they just made that bigger play at the end of the game to win the game. We, just, had, we had a chance. Uh, they just kept making plays. They, I appreciate um, BYU and everything it has done, it has done for me. But um, today just came down to making more plays. Even though the plays I made was big, the, the plays, it wasn't enough. So, Eddie, take us into that pick six, that moment where there's some confusion between Bowman and his receiver, and it, and it gets thrown to you. What did you see from the receiver, and what do you think happened in that moment where you ended up with it? Um, so I just know when they see off coverage, they, um, 
They like to throw a lot of slants and hitches. QB like to give it, uh, get the ball out of his hands quick. So I gave them what they wanted to see. I played, at least, we don't even play 12 yards off. I played like 12 off and gave the quarterback the space he needed to see. And we're not a hard cover two team. So I think when the receiver kept going, he thought it was like some hard flats because they usually convert off the flats. And um, that's why he kept going. The QB threw it right to me. And it was, it was exactly how I thought it was going to be. I didn't know he was going to keep running, but I, I, knew, I knew I had a chance to get an interception. Well, take us to that second pick, the one that you toe-tapped on the sideline, and what you saw there just reading coverage on the out. Um, with that one, I, I didn't even, I didn't read nothing too much. I just, I know what kind of routes they like to run when they take certain releases. So I kind of undercutted it late and the ball, I got my eyes right around and the ball was right there. Then it kind of bobbled and now I got to get my feet in and I caught it and I was, I'm grateful for that as well. It's just, it was good. I mean, that wasn't too much scheme into that. I, I just... I had to play it safe as well, though. So BYU doesn't win either of these last two games against OU or OSU, but I still think that uh, BYU showed a lot after after some games that BYU wasn't really competitive in, Eddie. These last two, BYU was right there. Yes, you want the results and the outcome, but uh, the Cougars had some gas in the tank at the end of this season, and uh, I, th- I thought there has to be some pride in that. How about you? Yeah, I mean, we just had to get back to our normal selves. We, we can make plays against anybody, I believe, um, you know, we had th- those slumps of games and where the offense or defense didn't play too good. But um, I think those last two games, we really showed what we could do. And, I mean, it's our first year in the Big 12. So, yeah, we really got we, – we, re- we really could get this thing done. And I, I'm rooting for BYU in the future, even though it's my last year. And I know I can make some big plays. I know, I know all the younger people that still have years to go can make some big plays for BYU in the future. I think we're in great hands. Well, Eddie, I want to know about you, man, because as Greg just mentioned, you are the box. You're the ultimate box filler. 47 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, two touchdowns, five interceptions, six pass deflections. You're the box filler. So what's next for the great Eddie Heckard? Hopefully the NFL. Um, that's my dreams. That's my goals. That's why I came here. Um, I also came here to get a better opportunity as, as my life as a man outside of football. And I think BYU provided that greatly as well. So, um, I mean, I got a great chance. I, I've been, I got some mentors that's keeping me in the right direction as far as that goes. But right now I'm focused on the NFL and that's it right now. Getting my 40 time down and showing the Hopefully an NFL team pick me up in that draft and get a steal. But you leave Provo with fond memories after after one year as a Cougar, yeah? For sure. I, I love Provo now. <laughs> Eddie, I know Cougar Nation loves you too and everything you gave in these uh, in these 12 games. Uh, thank you uh, for the season. Thank you for the time always, whether it's a pregame uh, in, during the week, it's postgames, it's coaches' shows. You've always been great to talk to, and, and we appreciate you and wish you all the very best. Appreciate y'all too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Eddie Heckard with us on Big O Tires, Cougar Post Game Live. Oklahoma State 40, BYU 34 in double overtime on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. Well, BYU heavy underdogs in each of his last two weeks. Uh, played, may, played better than the projections, but couldn't find a way 
uh, to come up with the win against Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, but these were different games than the ones that preceded it. Yes, BYU's on a five-game slide, but those first three games just felt different in terms of margin of victory and how competitive BYU was. But against OU and OSU, BYU was right there, just couldn't find a way to come out with a win in either of these last two. And a tough one today for the guys for sure. We appreciate the players who take a minute to talk about it with us. Greg and Hands upstairs, and Cody Epps, who led BYU in targets and catches today, is joining us on the headset for a moment or two as this game and this season comes to an end. Cody, appreciation to you as always. How are you going to look back on this one here in Stillwater today? Um, just so honored, so blessed for this opportunity. Um, you know, you grow up playing video games and playing college football, NCAA, you know, 13 and 14. You grow up playing in th- these different places on the video game with your player. Um, and now I'm living that dream, and I'm living in the dream with a bunch of people that I care about and love about so, and I love so much. Um, so just something that I, I'm going to take away instantly is just that I'm so blessed and honored, you know, to be a part of this game and um, to have played in it. What did you feel that was uh, clicking in the first half that uh, didn't work as well after halftime? Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. When we get back to the drawing board and we look at the film and all those things, um, I'll be able to see um, and our coaches will be able to tell us what was working and what didn't work as well in the second half. Um, I just know that. Um, they came out and played a lot tougher, played a lot harder, um, and got some momentum going in the second half, which, you know, helped them a lot. Cody, how much did the weather play a role in this game, if at all? Um, I honestly, I, I don't think it played a crazy role in, in this, just because the drops that were coming down were so um, tiny and didn't really have an effect on the ball, I think, um, per se, because I don't think anybody had any, um, you know, drops that had anything to do with their gloves or, um, anything like that. So I don't think it, I don't think it played a crazy role. We were still throwing the ball and handing it off, and um, you know, playing our normal game. When Will Farron makes uh, a 48-yard field goal, no gimme in the rain on a day like today to get you to overtime. Was there a sense that well, somehow we did this, somehow we got up to overtime. Now we're going to take this thing. No, heck yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when you get a dude that goes out there and kicks that, it just gives you so much hope. Um, and like I say, it gives you just so much. Um, graciousness and, and thankfulness to be in this opportunity to keep the game moving forward and keep having an opportunity to go out and play for some more minutes. So um, shout out to that dude. That dude is amazing. He works so hard, and uh, we love him for allowing us and, and helping us, keeping us in this game. So, Cody, you still have a couple years of eligibility, and I just want to pick your brain and get your thoughts on the future, uh, where this team is right now, where this program stands, and, and your future with it. Um, I'm, I'm – in a time like this, I'm so hurt for the seniors right now, um, just for the guys that I won't be able to play with in the future. Um, and this probably will be my last game to ever be teammates with some of them. Um, and hopefully I'll play at the next level with, with a bunch of them too. But um, just just in the sense of my future and this team's future, um, I am pretty excited um, just because now we know what comes with this, what comes in being in this conference, this great conference that we've been allotted to be in, uh, the competition week in and week out, and just the competitive nature that we have and in, in, in instilling ourselves. So I'm so excited to get to work with our trainers, um, Coach Phyllis, Doc Skymain, Colby, um, Coach T, all the guys in the, in the weight room. Um, I'm so excited just for everybody to get their bodies right and so we can go to work this off season and, um, and dial in our plays and all that stuff so we can, we can come out next season and play hard and 
come out victorious. Yeah, you've already been at BYU for a while, uh, Cody, but you're looking forward to season number two in the Big 12, it sounds like, as a BYU Cougar. Yes, sir. I'm so excited to be able to play in this conference again um, with the competition and the, the guys that you get to play against week in and week out. So just talking about that receiving room, Cody, talk about how you've got some guys healthy. I mean, Keanu Hill with a nice grab, Chase Roberts in the lineup, Darius. and felt like that room really came together at the back end of this season. Yeah. Um, it was kind of crazy today, one of the plays, mid-play while I'm running. Um, I was just I was just so happy for a second because I realized at the same time me, Chase, and Kibo were all in the field together, and that hasn't, mm. that hasn't happened all season. Um, I think it was when I – when I think it was either when Kibo made the catch, yeah, I think it was when Kibo made a catch over the middle. I was just laughing, thinking like we're all in the field at the same time. Like this hasn't happened all season, so so blessed to be able to play on the side of those guys and have fun with them. Well, Cody, a tough one today uh, to talk about and and think about and and have to sit on, and it ends the season sadly. You know, it just it's it's not normal to to be done in November at BYU, but that'll be the case this year. But I guess motivation and fire to get back and make sure you're playing in next year's postseason. Definitely, definitely, that was something that Coach Kalani um, harped on, um, and just you know, we want to light that fire, we want to light that torch. Um, so we're playing um, until late December, early January. Cody, I'd like to just get a quick synopsis on how you felt about. Jake Retzloff, his time as a starter and his time as the quarterback finishing out this season. I, I've loved it, man. He's he's such a competitor. He's such a fighter. Um, he loves to win. He loves to compete. He loves to go out on the field and push the ball down, push the ball down the field and, and get first downs. And um, that's what you love about a quarterback, just their eagerness to play and their eagerness to, you know, make the plays happen and um, and just you know, you can you can see it. He takes off with the ball. He throws the ball. He hands it like he, he just he just loves competing and loves pushing the ball down the field. So it's been such a blessing to be able to play with him. And I'm so happy um, to see what he's blooming into, and I'm so excited to be able to play with him again um, next season. Cody, we thank you again. Safe travels back home, and happy holiday season to you as well. Yes, Thanks, sir. Cody. Happy holidays to you guys. All right, thank you. That's Cody Epps. We'll continue with Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live from Stillwater after this on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. Oklahoma State comes back to defeat BYU, 40-34, our score in double overtime today. Tyler Batty had six tackles on the day, including a sack, one-and-a-half tackles for loss. And, uh, man, I feel like uh, whether it's a win or lose, but even after especially tough losses, uh, Tyler's always one that's willing to put on the headset and share a few words with us when it's not easy to do so. And Tyler does so again today here in rainy, cold Stillwater. Greg Grubel, Hans Olsen upstairs, and Tyler with us just outside the BYU locker room. Tyler, uh, thanks today and always uh, for, for being willing to chat and, and talk uh, you know, about uh, positive results and not so positive. We always appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, where did this one either get won or lo- uh, lost or, or turned in this one to you? Second half defense. You know, that's really what it comes down to. We, uh, we come out with a good lead, um, and, you know, we, uh, we end up squandering that through the, through the third and fourth quarter. So, Tyler, I, there were multiple plays that you made and a, and a lot of great moments. Can you just walk us into that fake punt? When you guys discovered it and drew up the play and just talk about what Kelly Popinga saw and what you guys saw in that moment. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's something that we've had uh, in the playbook all season. Um, just looking for the right time to to finally run it, and I finally convinced them to do it. So I've been I've been waiting 12 <laughs> games for that. It finally happened. When's the last time you caught a ball in a game? High school. <laughs> what were you in high school when you caught it? Were you a tight end? Uh, tight end, yeah, playing tight end back in high school. Hey, these hands. <laughs> I got hands. Don't doubt that. So you were you were barking at Kelly Popinga. Hey, let's let's hit this thing, man. We got it in the playbook for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and finally they agreed and called it down the pipeline, and and the look was there when we got out there, and so sure enough, it opened wide open, and uh, you know we were able to convert. Yeah, whether it's that play or Eddie's pick six or even Eddie's toe tap pick, you just hope that these plays end up being the ones you look back on, and man, that was the moment that you know helped us win the game, and it just didn't turn out that way. And for the longest time there, uh, Tyler felt like this could be a special day for you guys. Yeah, and you know that's that's really what we were trying to try to make of it. We had uh, we had a lot of opportunities, um, and yet, like you mentioned, we made we made some good plays. We just needed a a few more to to keep uh, our defense off the field and our offense on it. So Tyler, I also appreciated the sack. You split a double team. It wasn't just a, an unblocked sack. You split a double team, and you got in there, and you were able to pick up uh, Bowman and get him down for a, a huge loss. Just take us through that effort and your ability to get in the backfield and, and provide a, a few other pressures in the day. Yeah, that uh, that play specifically, um, if I remember correctly, we're in, we're in our three-man front, and so um, they snapped the ball and dropped back and pass, and, and it was just time to work. So I ended up uh, working back to the inside, getting in the QB's face, and then... Uh, yeah, wrapped him up. You know, it may be a simple description, but that's that's really how it goes down. It's usually nothing too fancy. Well, you made him clutch it because he was he was trying to get that thing. Greg and I thought he threw it, but you forced him to clutch it. Did you see him kind of clutch it before you got to him? I did. Yeah, yeah. As I was as I was making that inside move, I saw him go to go to throw and then bring it back down and look to scramble. And then by that time, I was on him and and we went down. So. Of course, there are a lot of things I thought I saw that I didn't see because our, our booth windows here are just uh, – I've been looking through raindrops the whole game, the whole game <laughs> yeah. on this booth up here. You know, I'm sure, Tyler, at 5-2, and two, you didn't think you'd be talking about not playing in the postseason uh, the way this season ended, but you played two nationally ranked teams right down to the wire both weeks here, last week and this. It's just sad that one of these didn't result in a win that gets you into the bowl, uh, bowl season. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's, you know, the reality we're facing. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of moments, of course, that we wish we could go back and, and change. You know, to make things a little bit different. Um, but honestly, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of our, our guys and, and the way they've handled themselves, the way they've played um, through the second half of this season with uh, with so much adversity and um, even tonight, right? Uh, you know, they 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 gave it all right down to the wire. Tyler, I was kind of waiting for this conversation with you today because regardless of the two outcomes in these last two games, I felt like. Both the offensive and defensive lines, they were able to fight with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State offensive and defensive lines. I felt like at times not even fought, but was w- winning the matchups. I thought Nisa Mahe and David Law, too, on the defensive side, pushed them around. Jackson Cravens, I thought, had a good game. And I think on the offensive line, I thought they did a good job at times getting a push, especially against Oklahoma. In Big 12 play in the trench, Help BYU fans kind of understand where you feel like BYU is with their personnel. We can hang. We can hang with the best of them. Uh, yeah, we absolutely showed that, you know, versus Texas and versus Oklahoma. Um, and, and again tonight, you know, I think, um, I think the, yeah, we, uh, we can hang with the best of them. We can battle it out. And, and again, there's, there's games, you know, that I, uh, 
that I think we should have won, right? Um, and it's not, not due to any lack of talent, uh, more just lack of execution, right? And so, um, yeah, just we're right there with them, absolutely. All right, um, Tyler, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where we talked about your future. Is there anything more definite from you about what's next for you at BYU or beyond? You know, going to think it over and kind of weigh all my options um, and, uh, and go from there. So nothing, nothing as of right now. Okay, so for right now, you're going to let the body heal a little bit and give yourself some time to think. And uh, if, if this is it uh, for, for our post-game conversations, again, a hearty thanks to you for always being willing to chat. And, uh, again, good times and bad, and, and we've always enjoyed uh, the time we get to spend with you. And I know that Cougar Nation's enjoyed the time they've spent uh, watching you play in BYU Blue. Uh, much appreciation to you uh, today, tonight and always. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Tyler. That's Tyler Batty. We'll come back with more from Stillwater. Oklahoma State wins it 40-34 to in double overtime on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. To get out of the rain on a very cold, drizzly day here in Stillwater, a game that ends with Oklahoma State defeating BYU by a final score of 40-34 to in double overtime. Hans Olsen, your thoughts on the player interviews we've had to this point here in postgame? Okay. Well, I'll start with Tyler Batty because he's the most fresh on my mind. If, if there is any possibility of gathering collective and getting NIL and making him feel welcomed and wanted and stay here, Tyler Batty would be a huge addition to the 2024 roster if you could keep him. And he left it. It felt more open there. It wasn't as finite. So I would go to work right now and say, what do you need? Where do you feel like you're going to get drafted? Well, what does that draft money look like? Or what does that undrafted free agent money look like? What does the NFL year look like? Because we can get you back, get you your final year of eligibility. We'll highlight you, get you more sacks. I think you ended up with five and a half sacks this year. Get you more sacks, get you more notoriety, and, and make it big for you. But I'm telling you right now, Greg, I would do everything I can to get him back. I would recruit him, I would collective him, I'd NIL him, and because who did we always see leading the pack when it was out at practice or in the scrimmages or it was always Tyler Batty. He was the emotional leader. And you've got Eddie Heckard, who's kind of the dog in the background, and he's just doing his thing, and Camden Garrett's the dog in the and Jacob Robinson. But Tyler Batty was the big body and the big voice and throwing his arms around and calling out guys in practice. Tyler Batty, if you can get him back, it would be huge for BYU. So do what you need to to see if you can get him back for his final year. Cody Epps, just a sophomore. He's got a couple years of eligibility. Now, I asked him specifically what he sees with his future because last year about this time, things got shaky. And he went on a different path, and we weren't sure if this dynamic young kid was going to be coming back to BYU. And for a time, we thought he wasn't. So I asked him specifically about how he sees his future with BYU, and he said, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to get in with this training staff and come back and play with Jake Retzloff. And he sounded encouraged and excited to be a part of this roster. And what I'd like to see for him is to get out of that sophomore slump, step into that junior season, and just blow the doors off the building because he's got the ability. He's a really good receiver. 
And then we also heard from Eddie Heckard. And then Eddie Heckard, it's a bummer, man. I wish that we could find another COVID year or <laughs> I don't know. man. It's a bummer that he's going to be leaving because he is the mentality. He is the culture that Jay Hill is trying to instill here at BYU. And, and I almost said that to him, like, is there any way you could just leave who you are at BYU, because you are what I want BYU's defensive culture to be. And it's also a bummer that Eddie's plays weren't the game winners that they felt like they were going to be today because he made two tremendous plays, a pick six for a second touchdown of the year and a beautiful toe tap that any wide receiver would be proud of on a second pick. And unfortunately, the uh, Cowboys withstood those plays, came back to win it in double overtime, and Jake Retzloff helped BYU to the end in this one, and he now helps himself to the headset outside the BYU locker room, pops it on, Greg and hands upstairs. Jake Retzlaff is with us for a moment or two postgame. Jake, thanks for taking a minute. Hey, Jake. Yeah, yeah of course. All right. Uh, start number four for you at BYU. If you could take your journey from West Virginia to Stillwater, how have these last four games changed you as a player, a teammate, a quarterback here at BYU? Uh, just the growth that you can get from, from game time experience. There's nothing like game experience and the game reps. Uh, you know, I just banked every rep, all, you know, all four games, and learned my best from every single rep and uh, carrying that into this offseason. Jake, I've really tried to make a point to all BYU fans, to all football fans, that you're a winner, that you only know how to win. Now, it's tough because you've come in and your four starts have not been the outcomes that you want. How are you dealing with what has just happened to finish this season? It's not fun. Uh, I like winning a lot more than losing. I might actually hate losing more than I like winning, to be honest with you, and I didn't realize that until these these four games. Uh, it's been really tough for me, and, um, you know, I'm lucky to have the guys behind me, the coaching staff behind me to support me, and, uh, you know, obviously these four games didn't go as, well, didn't go as planned, and, uh, you know, those last two especially, that those really stung. Um, uh, yeah, I just... Just got to learn from it and play better. And, uh, you know, just it's going to be some fuel in the offseason. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I, in the last two years, I haven't lost as much games in the last four games. So, uh, you know, it's just more fuel for that and to, to prevent that next year. What was working in the first half that you had a harder time making click in the second half? And, uh, Jake? Uh, you know, that defense is, is really good. Um, and they made some good adjustments on stopping the quarterback run. Those safeties feel really fast in the run game. Uh, I think Aiden got a hot start to the game. You saw us drive down the field, heavy run, and uh, they, they started stopping the run more. Um, the run is kind of what set up that, that shot to Kibo. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, were, we weren't getting the run going as well in the second half like we wanted to. Uh, that kind of slowed us down. Jake, take us into the two fumbles in the first couple drives of this game, the one that was the turnover and the one that you guys got back that forced the fourth down. What, what happened in those moments? Uh, that first one, you know, I, you know, I probably I pitched a little too late to Aiden. Uh, they had some pressure off the edge, and it's just kind of like a little mishap that doesn't ever happen. Uh, it's just disappointing that something like that happens. The, wor- the worst is when you've repped a play a million times. I mean, you guys seen us us two run those plays, that play uh, so many times, uh, and to have something like that happen really hurts. Uh, that second one, that you know, that was a late decision on the on the read pull there. You know, trying to get something going in the run game. Uh, yeah, that was just. Just another, like I said, another mishap that, that doesn't happen in practice, and that's what 
is really frustrating about it is you repped it so many times in practice and to have that happen in the game is disappointing. I know you wanted one more snap, at least one more snap in the double overtime. Uh, they reviewed the fumble. It's a tough way for the, for the game and the season to end, and, and no one feels worse than, than Isaac, who's been so money for BYU for, for season after season and play after play. That's a good target to have, and, and he was grinding when that ball got stripped. Yeah, that's disappointing. I love, I love Isaac. Uh, that guy has done... He's a BYU legend, you know. He holds that record for tight ends and touchdowns, and that guy knows how to find the end zone uh, like no other tight end in BYU history, which is pretty awesome. That guy, he's just as good as he is as a football player. He's an incredible human being and an incredible dude for me in this uh, in this kind of journey I've been on, and he's been easy to lean on and a nice big target for me. So, you know, I love Isaac, and I'm super proud of what he done here. And you know, we all know that that one play does not define that guy. That guy's a heck of a player and an even better person. Jake, what have you thought about these defenses that you're seeing in the Big 12, the 3-3-5s and some of the variations of the stack and the 3-3 stack and the umbrella that they run? What have you thought about these defenses? Um, Have you seen them before playing in Big 12 play? And do you feel like coming into your junior season, maybe you can crack those defenses a little bit more? Yeah, I don't think I've seen one three three five before this year. Uh, I knew coming to the Big 12 that we'd, ha- that we'd see that. Um, you know, Iowa State, I believe, invented it, or that D.C. invented it, so we knew they'd run it really well. You know, it's just something to see, like, you know, banking those reps. That's, that's worth more than you guys know, and uh, maybe you do know. But, like, just getting the reps on the field and seeing it play out, seeing how these defenses, their strengths, their weaknesses, understanding that, you know, that you player, we call him in the middle field, that middle safety, he's an aggressive run filler. Uh, you know, we can make him pay. Uh, in the past game sometimes, and, you know, just getting a feel for it, and I think I'm getting a pretty good grasp of it now. I know that you wanted a couple more weeks of practice with these guys and, and a bowl game at the end of it. That won't happen this year, and, and that's a rare thing for BYU. The Cougs are used to playing in the postseason. How much will this drive you into your BYU offseason as you get ready for your number two in the Big 12 and uh, and your chance to compete to be the guy again next year? Uh, you know, that's what I wanted for these seniors more than anything, and it didn't get done, and so that's super disappointing, and this feeling is, is rough, and I'm going to go in this offseason to do everything I can to prevent this ha- from happening again. Uh, BYU is a bowl school. We don't, we don't miss bowl games. That's just not something we do here. And this year, that it, you know, it stings. I uh, wish I could be on campus uh, a little more and, you know, in the coming month, and obviously we won't be able to, to be in a bowl game. And, you know, that's just going to drive us in this offseason. And uh, I don't know if there's a better motivation, motivating factor than that. What's, your, what's on your to-do list, your personal to-do list uh, from one season to the next year, Jake? Uh, bank some reps, uh, <laughs> get a full spring ball, um, you know, just get with the guys. And, you know, I think a lot of these guys walking out of this locker room understand that this is something that, we, that shouldn't be happening uh, with this program, that we're good enough to do so much better than this. Um, and I think we proved it in those last two games that we went toe-to-toe with two of the best teams in the country. Uh, this team's going to the Big 12 Championship, and it's a really good football team. The team last week was number four, 14 in the country. That's another really good football team, and we could have won both games, in, in my opinion. And uh, so I think the realization of our potential is there. There's no doubt about that. And also the realization that we are that good and we didn't go to a bowl game is, is bitter, you know. And um, so I think the guys will be... You know, highly motivated going into this offseason, as will I. But your overall vision of your future with this with this BYU program, you're excited about it? Oh, there's no doubt about it, man. There's no doubt about it. I'm excited for what this offense can do, uh, for where who they can compete against. And next year is going to be a, a lot of fun, and I'm really excited for it. 
Well, Jake, uh, appreciation to you tonight uh, and at the tail end of this season. And, uh, again, enjoyed watching your development and know uh, uh, winning days are ahead for you and this program. Again, thanks to you. Uh, happy holidays in the, in the weeks ahead, and we look forward to seeing you in 2024. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Have a good one. Thank you. That's Jake Retzloff. Let's get into the opposing locker room and hear from Mike Gundy, the head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. His team punches a ticket to the Big 12 title game. Our thanks to audio engineer Lily Warner, who got these comments from Coach Gundy a short time ago. Let's roll it and hear what the OSU Cowboys head coach had to say today. Sure make it hard on ourselves to get to, uh, get to where we want to go, but that was a uh, really good win for our team. Uh, very proud of them. I told them in the locker room that Starting to sound like a bro- broken record now. Uh, after last week, and then this this game is, uh, I think it's pretty pretty fair to say that the situation we were in and behind, and they did a good job. They 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 had a lot of different things. Uh, they could put all their chips out, no matter what their hand was. You know, they could have a poor hand to put them all out. They they uh, they did the right thing. They were try to win at all costs. Makes it difficult. We were concerned about that. We talked about them having several uh, different fakes and things and special teams. Um, and we were right. We just didn't uh, – we couldn't defend them the way we should have. But um, guys kept playing. Coaches did a great job of adjusting at halftime. Players grabbed the information, took it out there. Um, you know, it was uh, – that one wasn't an easy one to come back uh, when you have to throw a few passes. Uh, it's raining pretty good now out there, and we were able to, to throw and catch. So uh, I told them I was proud of them. It was a good culture win for us. They're learning how to dig themselves out of a hole, not point fingers at each other. Coaches don't point fingers at each other. They absorb information on the sideline, make changes, take it back out on the field and go play. And then in the end, you know, what else, What can you say? A guy like Rucker that's <clears throat> been around the program and um, – decided to become a leader, works hard, plays hard and competes. And then in the end, the drill, you know, we work on that all the time, like most teams in the country, stripping the ball out. And um, he's at the last second, gets it stripped out and ends the game. So uh, couldn't be more proud of, of, of him and um, our accomplishment. Um, we did a good job with penalties. We only had uh, five penalties for 36 yards. We were good on third downs overall, 7 to 17. Um, defensively, we were pretty good on third downs, 5 to 15. Um, obviously, we gave them some points um, with interceptions. Um, but um, Ollie was able to run for us uh, in the second half, make big runs, make a uh, couple runs that were somewhat on. Found a way to get it done. Uh, the last touchdown, um, that was a heck of a run. Um, guys rallied back. I was proud of our receivers. I don't think we had any drops today, uh, which is not easy in this weather. Uh, so guys competed, ignored the conditions, found a way to get it done. So uh, like I told them just now, they need to be with their friends, be with their families, enjoy this. And um, they got to come back and go to work tomorrow. All right, that's uh, Mike Gundy, the head coach of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. This team defeats BYU 40-34 to in double overtime today here at Boone Pickens Stadium. Head coach of the Cougars, Kalani Sitake, has popped on the headset outside the Cougar locker room. Uh, Kalani, Greg, and hands upstairs. And uh, tough one, man. It was uh, at halftime. It just felt like uh, you were going to get the reward for the hard work of this season and this week. And uh, things turned around in the second half. 
Yeah, um, you have to give Oklahoma State a lot of credit. I mean, they a lot on the line, you know, for uh, for them to they got to win to go to the championship game, and and we have to win to go to a bowl game. And so uh, we knew that they would fight back, and um, you know, we had our opportunities, you know, and just. Uh, um, second half with with the offense not moving the ball much and um, defense we need to get more stops and we win the second half we win the game you know there's a lot of different things could have happened in the game um, just really disappointed that the season's come to an end like this and that we've uh, you know we're experiencing this little bit of losing streak but I'm proud of the guys and their fight you know the uh, we can build on that you know it's just it's just I hate that we're, we're we have to say goodbye to our seniors right now but um Still a lot to build on, a lot to, to improve on, and I'm looking forward to getting this team ready now that they've been through the Big 12 experience. Now we've got to be ready to roll, and, and, and uh, you know they, they know what to expect next time. Kalani, would you say that halftime adjustments in this game would be understated or overstated? I, you know, I just know fans and, and my take of what happens at a halftime and then in the second half is probably different than what's actually happening, but... How much change was there one half to the next, both offensively and defensively from Oklahoma State? Well, we knew that um, we were loading the box. We knew that their RPO system is to throw the ball. And so when they throw the ball and they, they, they have those different routes that they throw, we got to get interceptions, you know. And uh, we got one in the second half. And, and I think we had opportunities to get a lot of balls that were floated up there for a free safety or a corner to grab, and uh, we couldn't do it. And so... Um, you know, we, we wanted to be able to take away the, the run game and, and, and make them throw it on us, and then they did that, and and then they punched it at the end with with uh, Ollie Gordon, and then he got some, some momentum and got some some um, energy and, and started to run the ball a little bit harder, and we had, um, you know, we, 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 were, we were rallying and we are trying to make hits and trying to do everything we can, but just not enough, man. Just, 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 uh, you, you, we, we had to take away the run game. We didn't do it well enough, and you know, we had to sacrifice a little bit trying to take away their, their big plays that they're making in the pass game, but uh, just not enough. I think they made the adjustment of just saying, you know what, if, if we're going to force feed it to our back and we're going to have to take these shots with these with the throws and and uh, hang it up there a little bit, and, and we we just we were on coverage. We just kind of got to make the plays. That's what it comes down to. I got to tell you, Kalani, special teams today with the Will Ferrin field goal, the uh, even the onside that was called back, the fake punt the blocked field goal just talk about the special teams effort because it's one of the best i've seen in a long time yeah the guys are on it kelly papinga has done a great job with them uh people out there i know that when they were installing a new defense that gets them getting used to but so is the special teams this is a new coordinator that's running his special teams and, and we've been you know he has a bunch of things that we've worked on that the guys are really confident with and I like the the surprise onside kick. I I wish we'd have got the ball, but you know the, I, I want to be aggressive, man. That that's our style of football. We got to find ways to make plays, and and um, I just you know I wish we could have done more on on special teams, uh, defense, and offense. Just a just a little bit more in one of these those three phases to get us the game, and then and and we fell short. Kalani, in, in the week leading up to this game, did you get the, the kind of week of prep that had you confident about your ability to, to, to play this game and get a good result today? Yeah, I feel good about the guys because they'll fight and they'll work hard and they'll, they'll give everything they got. And uh, when you have that, then, you, then you're in a good spot. So, um, you know, I, I felt like the guys have been fighting all year long. Um, we've just got, so, some, got in a position where we were in really 
in deep trouble when we get behind the the turnover margin um, cost us quite a bit in the other games, and, and so the skid, uh, the guys fought hard during this doing this losing losing uh, losing skid, but it's just the we can work on guys that work hard and, and want to give everything they got. It, it, it's there's no quit in the team, which is a good sign of, of the culture and and the leadership. Um, but you know, it comes down to the little things, turnovers. It, it's the the, the the fumble on the um, uh, second play of the game. Yeah. You know, it's like, gosh, dang it! How many times we got to keep doing this on the first drive, get putting ourselves in the hole, and and luckily the defense was able to respond and 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 um, you know force uh, field goals. You know what I mean? So uh, even the, even though they've had the ball in the red zone, we forced two field goals and and still scored a touchdown, and now we're up seven six. You know, and, and then we started to generate some momentum, and things started to happen for us. And next thing you know, uh, we're, we're we're we've got a lead going into the halftime, and so. It would have been a nice time for us to, to capitalize on it and for our, us to get the ball on offense and at least get some first down so we can pin them deep and get the ball get the ball back a better position or find a way to score. Um, it, it, that's that's um, that's the hard part is that we weren't in that position to do that and uh, we needed we needed one of the phases to step up and and, and seemed like we kind of went into some, um, some problems with all the, all the phases you know at the wrong time and that's a huge that's a huge. Uh, Sorry, I got to move out of this thing. That's a huge uh, compliment to those guys for what they've done. You know what they were like. You said they made adjustments, but I, I think the adjustment was win the game with the back, force it to them, and throw the ball whenever we have uh, the numbers on the outside. We knew that was happening. Uh, I think when we're under those circumstances, we should get more interceptions, hands, and f- cause more turnovers. That's that's what we were hoping would would would. would, would um, take place. Ollie ended up with uh, 34 carries on the day. You know, I do my spotting boards every week, uh, Kalani, for the opponents and for BYU, and, and so many times I run into opponents who just, they roll out the same the same five offensive linemen every week, and, and Connor Pay was the only offensive lineman to start every game for you this year, and you used seven different offensive line combos. There was a lot of movement there, and, and probably not the kind of continuity you think lends itself to to a lot of offensive continuity. How much did that O-line kind of week-to-week trying to figure things out have an impact on your year, do you think? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, not having the, the consistency of knowing who's next to you, not being able to to, um, to, to just get there's, – there's like this unspoken language of just being together. You just get used to it. And <laughs> you wouldn't have that on the on the offensive line uh, this year. I think going into this, this game and this season, we thought the O-line would be a huge strength for us. And – and it just wasn't wasn't the uh, the dominant O line that we we imagined. And so we'll go back to work. The, the fortunate thing is O linemen. There, there's a lot of O linemen that want to come to BYU and want to be here. We have a bunch of them on the team right now. Some really good young ones. And then we'll just have to just kind of roll with it and see what we can get done and, and make sure that our guys are better this next year. What happened with Kingsley Soamata? When did you know that he wouldn't make the trip? And what kind of impact did that have in the outcome of this game? Yeah, early in the week, I think he he he. Uh, banged up and just wasn't able to go and so we we made the adjustment of putting time on the left side bringing in uh Caleb Etienne on the right side on the right tackle and then um you know just got some reps with some young guys if if, if it, those guys went down so the interior three was going to stay the same with Waylon and and Paul and, and Connor so um yeah we we have a a good number of young young players that can play whole line we'll just see what happens in the next little bit and getting these guys ready for the for the next stage uh, for next season. Claudia, this is coming from a guy that has been the, the back end of maybe a loss or two in a football game. 
What do you do for Isaac Rex in that moment? You know, he puts the ball on the ground, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're pulling your hair out because you can't take a turnover there, but he's kind of rounding off a career, and I'm sure that had to be a really hard moment. What do you say to him, or what does the team do in that moment for him? Well, we love him, and, and the hard part was that I think the it was kind of inevitable when I saw the, the replay. It's like, hey. You have to be ready for this, not to to be a uh, you know a fumble and be confirmed, or stands. I mean, we just knew that that might be the outcome, and I think there was a lot of panic in his eyes, and he just let you know felt like he let the guys down. But and I'm so proud of him, and uh, just want him to know, like you, you saw the boys, they all rallied around him, and regardless of the of the the result, our guys wanted, wanted him to know that they love him, and. Um, he, no one's harder on himself than, than Isaac, and he's he's really hurting right now. So we, we wanted to, we talked about it in the locker room that we love him and um, you know we feel for him. But he's overcome so much in his career with the injury, uh, the, the horrible injury, and to be where he's at now, um, he should be really proud. And this this will pass, you know. This is a there's a, some lessons that for us to learn um, as a team. Uh, about ball security and about the importance of making plays and getting turnovers on on the defensive side, that I think that uh, this would this would be good. We'll be able to learn from it, and, and um, I just I just really feel for Isaac right now because I know he he's really hard on himself, but but we forgive him. We move on, and and we it it it, it doesn't work if you just get angry about it, but you never learn from it. So uh, want our guys to see how important it is to. You know, to take care of that football, and sometimes you can do everything you 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 can in your power, and it still goes bad. But at least he knows that we love him, and we'll still be there for him. We'll take a break and get concluding comments for Kalani on this day and for this season as we continue. Forty to thirty-four, Oklahoma State over BYU in double overtime here in Stillwater on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Creamery Cougar Postgame Coaches Show continues and concludes tonight with the Kalani Sitake. Let's get you our Economics Partners Valuable Stat of the Game. It is brought to you tonight and always by Economics Partners. BYU's accounting program is nationally ranked, so it's no surprise one of the nation's top business valuation firms is run by diehard BYU fans. Need a valuation for your business? Go to econpartners.com. BYU just uh, uh, didn't have the ball enough or move it enough maybe after halftime. And I look to the, the, the fact that Oklahoma State ran 88 plays, 19 more plays than BYU on this day, and was plus 9 in possession time. And it was just hard for BYU to prolong drives in the second half when that lead slipped away, and the Cowboys win it by a final score of 40-34 to 34 in double overtime. Kalani Sitake with us. And, and, Coach, what do you feel right now? Is it more just disappointment and frustration about how the way this season ends or resolve about you know what has to get done and you're ready to get back to the job and start working on this offseason? Well, I think the, 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 the thought is that time to pivot and figure out because we're hope, you know I didn't even think about us not getting bowl eligible, so... Now that we're not there, we, we have to find ways to be innovative, to get our, our team ready uh, within the rules because now our time doesn't go. For, we don't have 20 hours a week with the guys anymore. Now it goes back to eight. 
So we've got to figure out some ways to, to, to work out and get the guys ready. But but we've got to increase our football IQ. We've got to increase our, our knowledge of the schemes and, and the, the intricacies of all of it. And then I think feel I feel like when we do that, we'll be in a really good spot. It was just a bit easier to do it with practices. Now, now we have to be a little bit creative with meeting time and cut-ups and things like that. But I, my mind is on that because I'm all about strategy and trying to get back to – to get the team ready for the next part and then I'm saddened by this this is how the seniors end this one you know there's a lot of guys that still have a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of guys on the team that still have one more year of eligibility left I hope this creates an opportunity for them to feel hungry and want to get back to it but I just like I said to the team in the, in the locker room just want to thank all the seniors for being here the guys that came and, and, and the guys that have been here the entire time that just have worked so hard for our program uh, it'll be important for us to learn from this year and to get better and then be in a position so we can do what, what Oklahoma State did, which is get to the, the, to the, the uh, Big 12 Conference Championship game. That's, that's where we want to get. And I feel like this is the experience itself, being through it now. Uh, now the guys, have, they, they have something to hang on to. Like, okay, this is, we know how difficult that was. So if, if I ask you to gain 10 pounds, I think you better do it. You know what I mean? Then this is, if there's a way of us trying to force them to do it, but now... I think there can be some intrinsic motivation because they know that they need they need that 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 extra weight. So we had an opportunity to catch up with Tyler Batty, and now that the season concludes, it feels like the recruiting of your own team kind of starts. And Isaac Rex, who had the fumble, he still has another year of eligibility. Tyler Batty has another year of eligibility. Kalani, how, how do you start to make the measure of the possibility of of a Tyler Batty return, whether it's collective or nil or or whatever you need to do to get a guy like him back, because Tyler Batty back would be big. Isaac Rex would be back. Mm-hmm. Back would be big. So how do you start to draw up what it looks like, and and how do you go about seeing what it's going to take to get these guys back for their extra year? Well, stay here for the right reasons, and 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 be here because this is where you want to be, and this is how you want to do it. Um, if if it if it's if it's nil driven, collective driven, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want guys that want to be here. Oklahoma State had a bunch of guys that left their team last year and went other places for 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 uh, NIL or whatever you call it nowadays, mm-hmm. right? And and um, the guys that stayed here, they're winning. They're, they're, they won, and they're on their way to the conference championship. So you can win with the guys that want to be there. It, I, I, I want them to see the light and see how, how coming back would be really beneficial for them and for us in the program. And how we can accomplish a lot of things. It doesn't have to be one or the other. But if guys, if it takes a little, a lot more convincing than a little, then man, just, just go and we'll get the right guys in here. But those guys are all great people, and then they, I think they have a right, the the right mindset. I think they'll make the right decision for themselves. And, and I want to be, I'm involved in that, right? But uh, the guys that have left for for um, other other reasons, that that that, that that'll happen. I, I know that happens sometimes. It happened to us last year. And, and it's okay. We'll, we'll, we, will, we will do well with the guys that want to be here that fit our program, that fit our culture, and fit exactly what the standard is and, and what, the, what the church expects and what the, the school expects from our players. As it turned out to Kalani, Keaton Slobos took his last snaps as a BYU Cougar four weeks ago today in Austin, and that was it. He would not get back on the field for BYU. And mm-hmm. this is a guy that uh, you committed to and he committed to you in the same vein that uh, had so much promise and things didn't work out the way you or he thought it would this season. What can you say about Keaton Slovis overall 
about his commitment to you and how the season went for him. And then in this game, was there ever a thought and could you have gone to him reasonably at any point if you felt the offense needed something more than it was getting at any point today? Yeah, I think that's – I mean, when we look at it, it's, it's like all in hindsight when you look at it again. It's like, man, should we put a Keaton out there? But <clears throat> I, I just don't want to risk his future. And um, talking over it with A-Rod, it just didn't seem right for us to put out him out there at, 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 uh, at, at harm's way just in case. He goes out there, and he's willing to do whatever it takes for the team. But <clears throat> one bad shot and all that stuff, and then it all goes right back to, to, to the beginning. And he's got he's got some things to think about in the future, and we got a bowl game to think about, you know. So the the unfortunate part is that there's no bowl game, so maybe we should have done it. I don't. It's kind of like in, in between. I just I felt like the the deficiencies on the offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, is has we have to get things better. It's got to be cleaner, take care of the football. We have to get we have to be able to run the ball. We have to be able to have a, a presence at the line of scrimmage. Um, there's there's quite a few things that we need to improve on, and that that's why I look forward to getting getting that done soon. What, what, just generally about about Keaton, maybe, and, and the season he had, and, and the time you had to spend with him. Yeah, I I, I mean, just uh, what a pleasure, man. He's just a great young man, and and he's he completely embraced the 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 BYU way, has bought into everything. I think he's done some things for us this year that that uh, as a leader has been so good for our team and our program. So I I think that the 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 impact that he's had on our team, it doesn't just come down to what he's done on the field. The stuff that he's done in the in the in that quarterback room and his, and his professionalism, just how he carries himself and how he, he approaches the game, that'd be a great example to the rest of the guys and and to the other team, other players that we have on our team. But especially in that quarterback room, I think we're we're we're, we're really close to getting some things done really well on offense. Uh, we just need to. There's a little bit of, uh, of of improvement that we need to make in a lot of different areas, and uh, if we can get that done, I think I think we'll be in a really good spot. Kalani, these last four games of the year turned out to be kind of an audition for Jake Retzloff at starting quarterback. What has he shown you in these four games, and what do you anticipate being the quarterback situation moving into next season? Yeah, he's a gritty player. I mean, we knew that we wanted to redshirt him, and you know, I, I, as I talk to A. Rod, we look at the future of the of the program and and our offense. I mean. It, it, I don't know if the numbers were exactly what we wanted him to be, but but uh, the one thing I can tell you, he's tough and he works hard, and he wants it. And so there's there's a there's a lot of things that we have to improve on. He obviously now has a full off season that he can work with, um, but it's a competition, man. Every position is a competition. I want to get better at every position, and and um, that means develop the young guys right now, the guys that we have on our team, the guys that are joining us in January. There'll be others that will come along. I think it's important that we get that done, but at the same time, we've got to have a nucleus and, and a foundation of of players that know our way, that know our offense, and and uh, it's really difficult to put the ones the the the, the one done guys in in there. And, and Keaton, he, he did as much as he could with our, our scheme, but it's it's really hard to get that going with a with a guy that only has one year of eligibility. I think the guys, especially at quarterback, I think in other positions you can get it done a lot easier. I mean, the guys like Paul Miley that came through and did such a great job for us, and A.J. Vonkwachonk and Eddie Heckard and, and Cam, Cam Garrett. And, I mean, there's, there's so many of those guys that did some really cool things for us. Uh, I think it's important that, that uh, the quarterback position is a, uh, a little bit more stable where we can get you, – you remember, like, Zach was in our, our scheme for a while. Jaron Hall was in our scheme for a while, so uh, we feel good about the guys that are there. 
I, I, I talked about Kate Finnegan's a really good player too. Uh, Nick Billups is a really good player. Those guys really didn't get an opportunity to, to show what they got. Um, and then Ryder Burton is a, a, a young freshman that's ready to roll too. So all those guys are working really hard. It's going to be a really interesting spring ball by the time we get there. So we say, uh, well, that's not his first rodeo. It's one of my favorite sayings. But this <laughs> this was your first rodeo in the Big 12. Um, what your expectations were to how things ended up and what teams were like and the three three fives and the different defenses and the talent and the, the stadiums and the atmosphere. Was it was it better? Was it worse, more difficult, easier than than what your expectations were, Kalani? And and how much does this help you now as you prepare for twenty twenty four? Yeah, I, I think going into it when we went through the process, we went from the Mountain West to the Pac twelve. Here going from independence to the to the Big 12 was a little bit different, but the, 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 a lot of things are similar. The one thing I can tell you, Hans, is a lot more physical than, um, I mean, this, this Big 12 isn't like how it was back in the day where everybody's scoring just, it was offensive heavy. Now there's some, there's some big presence at the line of scrimmage. Every team is tough, but it's not just that. Like, the corners can tackle. The DBs are big. The receivers are big. The linemen are big. Backers are big. They're, they're solid tackles. Every back, it seems like we're going against this top ten in the country. I mean, this is number one. I think you look at Texas Tech and you look at West Virginia, you look at all these backs. They're, they're, they're dynamic, you know what I mean? So this that's a little different. The stadiums have been uh, electric, and you look at the, the – it's hard to play on the road in the Big 12. We feel it. We've known it. Uh, that That's a little different where the, the, the stadiums are packed and loud. They're kind of in your face, and, and uh, it's a really cool environment. Uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to embracing the opportunity to play in this conference again next year and get our guys ready. And we'll be in a way better spot than we were this year. I think that just every one of these guys that are coming back and are going to train, they have something to, to, to know now. Like you said, the rodeos, they know what ex- exactly to, to do. So when we ask them to get bigger, stronger, faster, the sense of urgency is going to be on them to, to get it done, and they have something to draw back on. They can look at the film and say, yeah, you know what, I bet you 10 more extra pounds and a little bit more extra work and a little bit more sleep, a little bit more focus on my, on my uh, technique will get, get us there. And if we can have everybody on the, on the, everyone on the team doing that, coaches and staff can get better too. It's not just the players on the field. Well, I've always loved what you said, control what you can't control. Now this season's over. You take control. What's the first thing you feel like you need to do to get ready for 2024? What's kind of the first area that Kalani Sataki gets in there and starts grinding on to, to fix to get ready for next season? I look at me first and evaluate me. Then I look at the rest of the team and look at the, the staff and everybody. And that's how, that, I start with me first. I think, what, what can I do differently and better? And that's going to be on this flight back. It's going to be some deep thought and some, some you know, some good feedback from others. And, and uh, I'm always open to criticism. I, I like it. I, I think uh, feedback is a gift. So I'm looking forward to that. I think I can give my be harsh on myself as well. Um, but but I have this attitude and this 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 uh, drive and this love for the game, and 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 this passion for this 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 university and this fan base. And so I want to do everything in my power to make sure that we're not in this position ever again um but i think it's important that the team knows now what it's like you know and uh and uh now they can share the story it, it, before it was like kind of an unknown but you have to remember that this was a, this was a, a first time experience for not just 
our staff and a lot and, and most of the players, but it's also first time for our fans to go through it too. And I, I can say I, I, I appreciate all the fans and the way they represented, the way they would support us, the way they represent themselves around the other fan fan bases is amazing. So we've done some really good things uh, off the field and in the stands. Uh, I I, I want to get better on, in the on the field so that we. Um, you know that we we can complement the the wonderful things that the fans are doing in the stands, whether they're at home or on the road. We the, the reputation that BYU has right now. I'm so proud of the fans for what they've done, and how they how they represent. It matters, I promise you. And and, and I keep hearing from every coach and every administrator about how awesome it is to go to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and how awesome it is to have our our fans and our team you know, at their at, at their stadium when they're when we're playing on the road. Uh, it, it's a really cool thing. And now that we've been through it, I, I'm looking forward to getting this thing better and making sure that we're playing for championships. Well, Kalani, won't feel quite right to not be uh, squeezing a, a, a football game into our holiday schedules and talking again with you uh, post-game. This is it for tonight and for mm-hmm. the season. But uh, our appreciation to you for always taking so much time, being so insightful and generous with us. And uh, we'll just give you the final word as we thank you for the season and look forward to 2024. Well, I appreciate you guys. Hans, thank you so much, Greg. Appreciate you. Love you guys. Mitch, thank you so much. You guys have always been great and and, and uh, the best professionals when it comes to, you know, doing BYU football. Um, I, I appreciate all you do and just want to send my love to the to the fans and appreciation. I apologize that this is this is that we're not in the bowl game. I'm um, going to do everything in my power to get get it better. Um, but I'm, I, I am proud to be the head coach of BYU, and I'm so, so thankful that I have the best fan base in the world uh, to, to, to lean on and support. Uh, they were here again tonight. They're, they're, they do such a great job. Um, I, I love our players. I love our team. Uh, you know, we've we got to get, get some guys in and get some guys better, develop them. But I promise you, as we work closely towards this and we have this experience, these guys will be better by the time we get to the first game next year. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you so much, guys. Love you guys. Happy holidays. Go Cougs. And to you. Thank you, Kalani. All right. That'll do it for our final postgame coaches show of the year. It is the BYU Creamery Cougar postgame coaches show. Thanks to Kalani. We'll come back and get back into Big O Tires Cougar postgame live. Final score, Oklahoma State 40 and BYU 34 in double overtime on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Listening to Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Greg Rubel. All right, uh, we came on the air at 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time today, and that was 7 hours and 36 minutes ago. So we're about to wrap things up here for tonight and this season. A couple of segments of uh, post-game coverage left here on the Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. At the end of this break, we'll get you a skill testing trivia question for two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. It's called Inside Scoop Trivia. That's coming up in a few moments. Uh, a tweet came in from uh, at 97.5 Hans. Hans Olsen says. <laughs> What'd that moron say? says, I want to give a huge thank you to Greg Rubel for giving me a shot in the BYU booth. He goes on, but I'll just stop that right there and say, uh, the pleasure was mine to get you in the booth with me. And uh, it wasn't really me giving you a shot. You, you've, you've earned everything you've gotten in your broadcast career. 
And uh, this season turned out, with the exception of not playing in a bowl game, this turned out exactly the way I thought it would. When you joined us in the booth, you've been outstanding from game one, and I can't believe that uh, our season is over. Hans goes on to say, having a chance to work with Scotty, Scotty G, during my week and Greg on game day has been a dream come true. Well, that's very kind of you to say, Hans, because I feel the same way. He says, I'm grateful for the BYU fans that gave me a shot and so much support. You're an amazing fan base. That's from at 97.5 Hans <laughs> here on, on Cougar Post Game Live. And a lot of the responses have been, wait, are, are, you, are, you, are you retiring? Are you quitting? Are you, no, no, you're just saying thank you. Yeah. You're just not going anywhere. Showing some real appreciation, some gratitude. Um, it, this has far exceeded what I thought it would be. I knew I'd have a blast with you. I knew hanging out with Mitch and... So many guys would be, uh, it would be a great time, but it just, it's exceeded it. The in-game moments and the excitement, you know, you feel like you're as much a part of the game as you can be without being a coach or a player, which I can't be a player anymore, and I don't have the stomach or the guts to be a coach. So (laughs) it's so much fun to feel like you're a part of it, and it's just a blast. I mean, you are one of the top-end professionals that, that I've ever worked with, um, which is is great. I've learned a lot from you, and I've had a blast with Mitch and getting to know Mitch and his family. He's fantastic on the sideline, great insights, and and then to the, the BYU fan base. You know, Greg, they've listened to me for a lot of years, um, every day, and, you know, they go through ups and downs, and I've, I've always tried to be as honest and upfront as I can, and I felt like BYU fans – really opened up their hearts and said, all right, let's see what this former player is all about. And they've been so supportive and so great. And, man, what an honor to work for them. And what an honor to work for you. And it just sucks that this is over. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. We just got going. I wanted a bowl game really bad yeah. because I just love being on the road with you guys and love calling games. But can't wait for 2024. Yeah, the next season can't get here uh, soon enough. And, again, this just flew right on by, 12 games. But, uh, man, it just it just went so fast. And uh, yet uh, you made it seem that way because every week uh, was a joy. Mitchell Jurgens has now joined us in the booth. And, by the way, thanks to our studio on-air guys as well, uh, Jason Shepard and Ben Bagley, uh, for all their great uh, contributions and content, uh, along with the BYU TV guys that join those guys at halftime that help make our broadcast what they are. And we're getting a little early to the thank yous, but the point is, uh, there's a lot of people that do a lot of great work to make these broadcasts what they are, and we hope that it all pays off for Cougar Nation. Um, Mitch and Hans, uh, your reactions to Kalani Sitake's postgame comments, and he spent quite a while with us and, and got pretty deep into where he thinks you know things kind of went wrong, where they need to go right starting in 2024. Um, Mitch, maybe first, you were right there with with, yeah. with Kalani. He had the headset on right next to you, and you saw the expressions on his face. You saw him, and you heard him during commercial breaks, and you've been around that uh, team area now for an hour or so after the game, and then we'll go to hands on what you thought uh, Kalani gave us in postgame. Yeah, it's, you know, it's tough to see because he wants it. Um, and and all, all of us, we feel the losses, we feel the disappointment, and nobody feels it more than that guy does. And, and, and he wants these victories. He wants it not just for himself, he, but almost more for his players and for the fans, and you can see that. Um, one of the things, I mean, to your question, though, what, about his comments, um, I think my favorite comment was in talking about the upcoming season, right? You asked him about, uh, about potentially, you know, what can you do to keep some of these players that might be, um, you know, debating whether they come back or they go to the NFL or 
um, they enter the transfer portal, and he said, I just want the guys that want to be here at BYU. And he um, used Oklahoma State as an example. He did, because they had a ton of guys leave, and, and, and I love that. I think that's what this program needs. Find the guys that want to put on the BYU uniform to be a BYU Cougar, not just, hey, who's going mean, to – because this is, this is college football. This isn't the NFL yet, and – and you kind of can start to see what, you know, the impact that NIL can have on that to try and get it away from uh, away from that. And But I agree, if you're going to come out and compete in the Big 12, you need guys that love BYU, that love football in general, because it's a tough game. It's tough to put your body on the line week after week. Um, I mean, we saw BYU for the first time um, play 10 straight Power 5 schools that were very competitive teams and you need players that you need players to be here that just love it, that want to be here. And, and if, uh, you know, if they're hearing that from Kalani, if they're hearing it from Tom, they're hearing it from these guys. I think this is what this program needs because whoever it is, right. You're going to find the guys that have heart that want to be there. And, and what's, what's cool about it is these last two games, we, we caught a glimpse of it. And that is Oklahoma number 14 in the country. When, when BYU played them, Oklahoma State going to the Big 12 championship, they can hang with anybody. And so you combine that with players that want to be here. I mean, I, I, love the, I love the approach. I love the angle that Kalani's taken on that because I think that's what this program needs. Well, Before we get to hands on this, uh, off of your comments, Mitch, those 10 P5 games, BYU went 3-7 and seven and lost the last five. This was a grind unlike BYU's ever experienced before, so they saw what it's all about firsthand. Secondly, what Kalani added to the comments you made, and yes, BYU has to compete in the NIL space. They've got to be there. But he said, if it's all about that, I don't want it. Yep. He said those words, I don't he want did. it. Yeah, he did. He, that, that stood out to me the absolute most through that whole conversation because that's what culture and identity is. And <laughs> here's the tough thing is sticking to it because when you get a couple guys that come to you and they're like, right, we're, we're thinking about leaving. You got to stick to it. Now, you could say, well, what is the purpose? What is the reason? Oh, well, we got this huge offer of money and we're leaving. Okay, well, I like this guy. I like what he brings to the culture. What's it worth to me? How far am I going to go to keep these guys? I mean, that's going to there's going to be conversations like that. And that's difficult because what you want to say to him is, "Hey, if you want to go take money and leave, leave. Do it. Go." You know, BYU was playing a guy from this very university on their offensive line in this very game. Mm-hmm. They took Caleb Etienne, and they implemented him early in the starting lineup. And Coach Gundy really didn't say a lot about uh, Etienne in the opening parts of fall camp when they were getting ready. He was just like, hey, look, he, he couldn't make our, our starting roster. He didn't want to be on the two deep, so he moved on. Well, Kalani has to have those same types of takes. And it's just going to be really hard to stick to those guns, Greg. Well, I think it's going to be hard because they've, they've never really done this, right? This is this is new to, to coaches as well. So coaches, players, everybody's learning how this um, NIL is going to is going to influence and how to run teams with uh, the influx of the number of athletes entering the transfer portal. This is this is all new, but but I agree. I mean, I I want. Um, I think Kalani's approach will be interesting to see how it unfolds because you're right. There's going to be those moments they're going to they're they're going to creep in, but um, I think if you find the guys that want to put on the BYU uniform, 
it's going to be the best for the program moving forward. It is BYU is uh, Big O Tires Cougar Post Game Live. Hashtag BYUCPL on Twitter. Hashtag BYUCPL. A couple comments before the break. Uh, Ryan Lundgren using hashtag BYUCPL says the game today was BYU season in a game. Strong first half and a poor second half, but they showed fight to the end. A hard way for Isaac Rex to go out. Um, at Chaplin Schumann, Cougar Chaps on Twitter says love the fight till the end. The blocked, the blocked extra point. Retzloff driving the offense down the field with less than a minute to go. Farron nailing the field goal to send it overtime. Love this team. And uh, at Cougar Sasquatch says, it's been a crazy year and a fun year and a sad year. From Hans in Weezer, he says, I'm going to miss listening every week. I'm excited for next year. Like a baby buffalo. <laughs> BYU has some growing and learning to do this offseason. Go Cougars. And that's from the inimitable Sasquatch Coog um, from, uh, from Weezer. Yeah. yeah there's some. There is Cougar some Sas- at Cougar Sasquatch on Twitter. Yeah. He always has some really good comments on Baby Buffalo. <laughs> there is some growing, and I, I just I feel like they've got good parents. You know, I think that Mama Buffalo and Papa Buffalo, I think that they're good parents. I do. Jay Hill, he's a good, he's a good coach. He's going to get guys right. Aaron Roderick, he's a good coach. Going to get guys right. Kalani, great coach. They're going to get guys right. And they're, I'm sure that they've got some serious decisions that they have to make to help perpetuate that growth. And at Chaplin Schumann chimes in with one last comment before the break here. The season is over. Why am I still listening? Because Hans and Greg do a great job covering the team I love. And he means to include Mitch as well. And he says, thank you, gentlemen, and we thank you for tuning in. Yeah. And we appreciate that. We're not back padding, but we're, we're, we, it's our pleasure to cover this team, and we hope we do it in a way that uh, uh, makes you and Cougar Nation proud and happy. And, uh, again, uh, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's all our privilege that we get to share with you on a week-to-week basis. We'll take a break. Oh, before we do so, though, let, let's get that trivia out there, shall we? Um, it is Inside Scoop Trivia brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. I was hoping this question was going to reference something we'd be looking forward to in the weeks to come, and that's another bowl game. But the question remains the same. BYU 40 bowl games encompass how many different bowls? So BYU's appeared in 40 bowl games, 40 bowl appearances. That's 20th, by the way, all time. But of those 40 bowl games, how many different bowls are encompassed in those 40? That is different organizations, different bowl organizations. How many different bowl games, if you will, have comprised those 40 bowl appearances? So how many different bowl games has BYU played in? That's the question. The answer can be sent in using the hashtag BYUCPL, hashtag BYUCPL on Twitter. Uh, the first one we see with the correct answer across the timeline, we'll get two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. Yes, Hans. Question. Yes, sir. If it's the same bowl but a different name, because different sponsors. So, so for example, the Tangerine Bowl, which yes. became the Citrus, Citrus Bowl, is one game. Okay. That's one game. That's so Tangerine and Citrus is, yeah, the same organization. Okay. So how many different bowls for those 40 bowl appearances? That's our question. The first correct answer using hashtag BYUCPL wins the ice cream on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Greg Rubel and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skid, BYU Sports Network. All right, so welcome back to uh, Stillwater. Final score today is Oklahoma State 40 and BYU 34. 
So Mitchell Jurgens just asked a question in the break that I think like was supposed to be an off-the-air question, but I think it's valid enough for us to actually uh, hit, to hit the numbers and find out what the answer to his question is. Uh, Mitch, if you don't mind, yeah, um, just explaining the thought you had and what you were um, what you were wondering about, and I'll I'll start working on data while you do that. Yeah. So context to the question: um, this season, the BYU offense, and there's there's obviously, I mean, we can focus on the positive, but one of the things that needs to improve going into next year is the offense needs to be better. Um, in all 12 games this year, not once did the offense go over 400 yards um, in total offense. And that's so, never happened since LaBelle got here in 1972. No. Um, on top of that, in the last 10 games, so the 10 Power 5 games, only two of them went over 350 yards. That was Kansas and um, Oklahoma. So those two games went over 350 yards, They the only two. So the majority of your games are under 400, under 350 yards. And what are the implications of that? And, and where my mind goes, and, and the question that I asked Greg was, um, over the course of the entire season, what was the number of plays comparison that BYU had on offense versus their opponents, as well as time of possession? Because um, what I started to see consistently is the defense played pretty well all season, but late in the games, they started to just... You could you could see they're getting worn down. So BYU and having to defend more plays yes, than the opponent. Defending more plays, they're on the field longer because if your offense isn't getting enough yards, if they're getting less than 350 yards in the majority of these games, then what that's telling me is they're not on the field, defense is on the field more, and defense has to defend way more way more plays. So what does that look like this entire season? Yeah, so coming, in, coming into today... Uh, BYU had the ball for an average of three minutes less than the opponent, and today that number was nine minutes. So BYU's minus nine minutes in TOP today. What it turned out to in plays was over the course of the season, BYU defended almost 100 plays more than the opponent. The number was 91. 91 plays is more than a game. So BYU's defense defended an extra game of football. More, more than, than the it. offense play. Yeah. Yeah. So what it came down to was an average of seven six point plays, 7.6 plays per game that the defense had to defend more than the offense stressed the opposing defense. So minus 91 over the season. It was 847 plays for the opposition, 756 for BYU. That's minus 91. That's almost eight plays per game more. And over the course of a year, it's more than an entire football game worth of plays. Yeah. That's asking a lot out of your defense. Um, and that's that's tough, and that's where you know you do you look to the offense and say we need we need more out of this offense, and and uh, you know put yourself in more scoring opportunities because you know I look at this game and and it was it was they competed it was a good game but in that second half, in my opinion, if you if the offense scores one time in the third and fourth quarter, yep. that's the game, yep. and and Oklahoma State can't make the the comeback that they made um, because BYU would have been too far in the lead there and and. And it was just one score, and they, and they couldn't do it. And I want to go back to the middle eight, uh, the middle eight minutes of the game, final four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half. BYU won the final four minutes of the first half 10 nothing, and got the ball to begin half number two, three and out, and they were off kilter the entire second half until the final minute. Well, I could look at a lot of different areas um, as to how things were falling short and throughout the entire season, not just in this game, but throughout the entire season. And I can say with a surety that Aaron Roderick 
does need a dual-threat quarterback. He needs a quarterback that's going to give him effort in the run game and going to give him effort in the passing game. I know that there will be some second-guessing again with how you managed Keaton Slovis and the decision to go through the entire four quarters and two overtimes with Jake Retzloff. I'm staying by it. I still think it was the right decision. I still think Jake Retzloff was the right decision. There's going to be that's now that's a huge opinion piece, and there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with that, and th- and that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion on that, but I still feel like Jake Retzloff's ability to run provided a real picture for a defense that they had to prepare against. By the way, uh, no one's gotten the answer to our skill testing trivia question. We've never gone this late into a show without the correct answer coming in. That's a tough one. It's a tough one, and it's a numerical one. Uh, You can throw a lot of numbers at us, but no one's thrown the right number at us yet. Question was, out of BYU's 40 bowl appearances, how many different bowl games does that number comprise? And how many different bowl games has BYU played in its 40 bowl appearances? We haven't gotten the correct answer yet. Use the hashtag BYUCPL with your answer submission. Hashtag BYUCPL for BYU Cougar Post Game Live. Uh, Chris on Twitter, Chris Butters, says plenty of what-ifs this season and lots of exciting things to look forward to if BYU can get better and more consistent depth. What things will it take to get that depth now that BYU's in the Big 12, and how long do you all think it'll take? Well, I, I want it to happen through youth and development, not through transfer portal. What about you, Mitch? I agree. So I that, agree. that means it's going to take time. That's, yeah. that's what I want. And I even go, and, and I'm sure you have a similar experience here, but um, for me, uh, I mean, it's you don't see a lot of players feel at their be- or look at their best or the most comfortable with the offense or the defense in their first year. Mm-hmm. You start to get acquainted with the system and, and, and you understand it more. And, and if players can buy in early and, and be those guys that then come up through the system and, and continue to get better and better, uh, I think overall that's best for the program um, because you, you can't. If you're just banking on transfer portal guys that come in and don't understand the system as well, I don't think they are going to be at their best as a player um, because it's going to take some time. For instance, like at Jackson Cravens, it was really nice to get him in here for one year, and I, I think that he made a, a nice difference. A.J. Von Pachon. A.J. Von Pachon. Those guys are done. Eddie Heckard. Lasseter. Cam Garrett. Yeah, those guys are done. They're all gone. They're leaving. So it's like, man, that was great, but what's the upside? How much more can you get out of them? Well, you can't get any more out of them because they're taking off. Now, on the flip side of that, and the point that I'm trying to make, you know, the guys that you went out and you recruited and you've watched grow and guys that you're excited to see continue to grow, those are the guys that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at. Those are the guys I want to see. A guy like Ace Kafusi today. Ace Kafusi had a couple of stellar tackles and one on one tackles on Ollie Gordon too. Yeah, made made a couple one on ones. Yeah. And guys like Raider DeMooney, who I've got huge hopes for. These are young guys coming out of high school that want to make that commitment to BYU. Those are the guys that I'm looking for. I, I want to see BYU go after more um what Chase Roberts or um I'm, I'm trying to think of even any of the other players that committed as freshmen. Well, and Cody Epps. And Cody Epps. Uh, and watch these guys. Keanu Hill. I mean, sign, the big three coming into this year, receivers were all guys that were BYU guys from the start. Sign, grow, and develop. 
That's what that's what I want, Greg. And and so to answer your question in short form, it's going to take time. Took Utah a little while. Yeah, it did. Then it became a flywheel, and they got rolling. It did, but guess what? As they continued on their platform, now it was a different day as they were developing without NIL, but as they continued on their platform, they developed that toughness and that chemistry, and those guys leave the imprint for the next guy. So that's why I, I talk about, man, I'm glad that Cam and Garrett was here. I'm, I'm glad that Eddie Heckard was here. I'm glad that A.J. Vong Pachan was here. I just hope it's those freshmen and those sophomores that see it continue to develop in it, believe in it, grasp it, and then teach it to the freshmen that come in. And that portal guys don't come in and then ruin the legacy of what those guys did for Jay Hill and what culture they're trying to establish. But continue on that toughness. Transfer portal guys that are seniors that come from SEC and might come into BYU's locker room and they're like, well, yeah, but you know, I started at LSU, and so maybe you should listen to me. It's like, no, man, there's a culture. Kalani's trying to establish a culture. Jay's trying to establish a culture. Aaron's trying to establish a culture. You've got to be careful that you don't have a continual change of culture because then you never know what your identity is. You don't, you don't know who you are. You don't know who your leaders are. So I don't, I don't want to see that. And, and I, I don't know how to prevent that because BYU will surely have a handful of guys that will exit into the transfer portal, and then we'll all buzz and talk about it be like, I wonder what happened there. I wonder who fell flat. I wonder why, whose fault that was. Well, it's nobody's fault. These kids didn't have a good experience, one reason or the other, and, and they're out. And then you're going to have to fill some of those spots with the transfer portal. But I'm, I want them to be really careful because there's a culture that you have to establish and you have to continue to grow. Okay, we, on that note, are past the eight-hour mark of our broadcast day, so we're going to call it good and uh, thank our winner of two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream who gave the uh, correct answer. By the way, there's, there's a fine print segment section of the rules that says if you've already won the ice cream this year, you're ineligible, but that doesn't stop winners from guessing again. They always do. So we're going to shout out Ryan Lundgren, who's already won this year, for being the first in with the correct answer. But we are saying, Ryan, as much as we love you, we're going to look for the second correct answer from someone who hasn't yet won this year. And we just want to acknowledge Ryan's brilliance and tenacity and say that he's the man, but he doesn't get the ice cream this time. And that's okay. <laughs> he's still smart and he still showed it. <laughs> we know. Yep. We, we know. But the winner is Bob the Builder on Twitter. He said the correct answer to our skill testing question was 20. And that's right. BYU's played in 20 different bowl games over 40 bowl appearances. And here's how it shakes out. Hans was really waiting for this. Um, 11 Holiday Bowls. So Holiday's one. Yeah, that was a big one. Six Las Vegas Bowls. So Vegas is two. All in Broncos time. These were all two-timers. The Poinsettia, the Tangerine slash Citrus, the Freedom, the Liberty, and the New Mexico. That's six more. Puts you to eight different bowl games. Mm Mm-hmm. And then BYU's been to all of these bowl games one time, which are the final 12, giving you 20. 20 different bowl games. Here are the one-timers. The Fiesta, the All-American, the Aloha, the Copper, the Cotton, Motor City, Armed Forces, Fight Hunger, Miami Beach, Potato, Hawaii, Boca Raton, Independence. That gets you to 20 different bowl games for 40 bowl appearances. Did I hear Liberty in there? You heard Liberty in there twice. Um... 
I, I, I want to say Mitch Jurgens played in all six of those Vegas Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> there was such a run. I was in. Uh, I played in one. Did you? Um, did they do a good job? No, uh, we lost that one. No, did the the, the bowl? Oh, the Vegas Bowl. Yeah, yeah, they do a good job. Yeah. Miami Beach was you. Miami Beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was there. That was a big time. That was a double. That was a double. Was that about fight hunger. Uh, fight hunger. I was there. I did not play in that game. Okay. That that's was, all. That was 2013. That's all your wheelhouse. That was a red shirt year. What was your favorite one? Um. Oof. So in 2016, the only one that we won was the Poinsettia Bowl. That was against Josh Allen. It's Kalani's first year. Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Kainakua um, picks off Josh Allen near the end of the game to seal it. Yep. Yeah. So so because we won, I would say that one. Um, but uh, Vegas and Miami, those were both great bowl experiences, uh, which was pretty fun. Uh, yeah. There was won. a lot going on in Miami. There was a lot going on game. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was an interesting finish. I that was I mean that was one of those games where I was exhausted and I'm walking off the field. I was on the field because they picked it off. That's how the game ended. Like, I got a double go overtime. Uh, no, I was so tired and I saw I looked over my shoulder and, and stuff was brewing over there and like man, I just I even if I wanted to go get involved, I was I was too tired. So. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how these guys have energy to keep doing this. That was a long game. Well, I'll tell you what, man. My, my situation was a bad one because my first bowl game was the Cotton Bowl in 96. We each got our own rental cars. They treated us like kings. Steak every night. Lowry's did a big steak night. They had these bags. Like, we had the – we got the Walkman. It was the this CD player, the DVD player, CD player, and it had a skip guard on it. And it came with headphones, so you could walk around with it, and it wouldn't skip. And so that was that was a cool gift. We got rings, and we got coats. And, and it was all from there? Yeah. Jeez. Then we go to the Liberty Bowl, and it's like, what, where's the cars? Where's all the nice gear? Why aren't we eating steak? Why are we at a rodeo? <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, – oh, and then we got our butts kicked. Yeah. Because Marshall was incredible, and and uh, Tulane was incredible, and they had great quarterbacks, and we got our butts kicked in the Liberty and Motor City Bowls. But that Cotton Bowl, Pennington, Chad Pennington was Marshall, right? Yeah, and Sean King was Tulane. Sean King was Tulane. But that Cotton Bowl, man, that was mm. that's got to be some peak BYU bowl stuff right there. So one of the interesting bowl games. So in 2013, I, I didn't play in that game, but I was. I was rostered, so I was there on the sideline. The Fight Hunger Bowl, yeah. um, the, it was played on in San Francisco Giants Stadium, and both teams were on the same sideline, yeah. if you guys remember that. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting when you had to sub players in and out, and you were on the far sideline. I mean, guys were running 60-yard sprints to, to get, get in and the off field. the field because yeah. they had both teams on the same sideline. I was behind the home plate. In the end zone. Were you? Was, <laughs> to call it? You were behind the, home plate calling home it? home plate, which was behind an end zone. The teams were going away from me. Good luck. I couldn't tell a two-yard run from a 22-yard run. Yeah. yeah guys needed breaks from sprinting on and off the field. That was a game that Steve Sarkeesian coaches Washington all season and then leaves them for the oh. postseason. Uh. And they used, uh, they, they used uh, uh, the assistant coach for the bowl game in that one. And, uh, yeah. 
Wow. Well, we just got into a bit of a bowl tangent, but there you go. At the end of the season, that doesn't feature a bowl for BYU. Very sad. Uh, remember when we used to handicap? They said, okay, these are the five games left. What's the toughest to easiest? And we would do this every week of the games left, the game that BYU would win to get bowl, and they never got one. It never happened. They went 0 for 5 in their final five games. And, again, still seasons, seasons don't end this way for BYU. And, again, the Novembers now are not the Novembers of years past, but you've got to go back to, to, to 1955 to find uh, a losing streak to end a season of five games or longer. That year they lost eight in a row. This year BYU loses its final five games, and, and uh, yeah, that kind of thing doesn't happen. And uh, it's a rare bowl-less season for BYU. But let's conclude our day and our season with uh, hearty thank yous. We'll start with our crew back at BYU Radio. Terry South is our coordinating producer, makes it all happen back at BYU Radio, takes care of a lot of different stuff. And, um, and uh, Terry is first and foremost on our minds of the crew back at BYU Radio. Uh, control board operators today, uh, it, was, uh, it was James Finlayson and Maya Tippetts, along with Derek Duncan, who was editing. Seth Larson's been a big part of the season as well on the board operator side. And so uh, thanks to all those folks who push all the right buttons. Our studio host today was Ben Bagley, Ben and Jason Shepard all season long. Their studio work, their Cougar Canyon work, much thanks. Barry Squires and the entire engineering crew at BYU Radio, Clark Jackman and Sean O'Neill and Sam Payne in the management and operations side, associate AD for corporate sponsorships, Casey Stoffer. These are all behind-the-scenes folks that make it happen for us, and appreciation goes out to all of them. And then uh, the crew here in the booth today, it was Ben and Lily Warner, our audio engineers. We also had Doug Olson and Scott Stanstrom uh, working as audio engineers on the road. We had Clark Jackman and Michael Wimmer as our home engineers. So lots of different people that uh, are, are getting, again, getting us and keeping us on the air and uh, making us hopefully sound good for all of you. Our spotters, Jake Murphy today and Matt Jarvis in the games that Jake wouldn't do on the road or couldn't do on the road. And then uh, uh, Matt Jarvis. Uh, Ralph Sokolowski, our statistician. McKay Perry, our home spotter. And uh, those are the main folks that uh, make it happen on the crew week to week. Uh, much thanks to all. And that just leaves the guys on the headset. And, again, uh, this season just zipped on by. Uh, Mitch, I know that you share my opinion that, uh, that to bring hands on to the team was, was a home run, and, and we loved our time with him, and we've had such a good time this year. Uh, we've enjoyed some, some epic meals uh, some some fun and wild experiences. Uh, Hans' own personal travel log is is worth uh, the price of admission. Uh, <laughs> else, and uh, but our listeners need to know that on this final road trip, we were all at the same hotel the entire time, uh, both getting there, leaving. Uh, we didn't have to pick you up on the side of the road anywhere. We're flying home together. This is also a rare thing. Uh, somehow, it's all working out. And I forgot we never talked about how I was forced to be out on a curb at a certain time. And, and I was out on the curb at a certain time, about a quarter-mile walk from the hotel. <laughs> but we did. We made it because I believe that we're all on the same flight on our way out of here. So a perfect way to conclude. And, man, what a what a great time. Seriously, I, such an incredible time. And I appreciate you and Mitch uh, letting me share this mic and also Shep and Bags as well. It It just couldn't have been any more enjoyable. Uh, win or loss, it was fun to be up here and share the mic with you. It's going to be a long off season until we get together again. Yeah, uh, Mitch, uh, thanks to you, my brother, and uh, man, you're doing a great job, and, and year to year, getting better and better, and so much that Mitch does to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch from field level. And today, his feet are wet and cold. His uh, his fingers and, and thumbs now have some feeling, but it, they didn't for a while there today. And uh, Mitch, thanks to you, man. Hey, thanks. Uh, yeah, they're thawing. Uh, late in the season here, it gets uh, it gets pretty cold, and. Need to get some nice boots that uh, I always 
all, all the old games, I always forget to wear the nice shoes that'll protect my toes. And by the halfway through the first quarter, my toes were numb. And it's always the coldest. They stayed. They stayed numb. Man, so. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous too with Mark Durant because you guys are going to call some wins in this basketball. In the this ball. is going to be a fun yeah. basketball season. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Hans, uh, I've known you for almost 30 years since you came to BYU yeah. as a baby buffalo out of Weezer, Idaho. <laughs> a little pup. <laughs> and, and so I've known you for a long, long time, and our paths would cross over the decades. And it was always fun to see you and be around you, but certainly I, I, I'd never known you the way I'd gotten to know you this year. Yeah. And uh, I just hope that we're, we're together for a good long while because this was just too much fun. And, again, thanks to you for joining our team and, and being such an important part of our team and, and bonding with Cougar Nation as you have. Uh, they sure appreciate you. Uh, maybe even more than I do, and I appreciate you a whole heck of a lot. So great season, and, and let's uh, let's get to next August and September in a hurry somehow. We'll do it. Let's do it. All right, guys, thank you. And Cougar Nation, thank you. Uh, thanks to all of you out there for tuning us in today and all season long. And and uh, wins and losses, you're with us and support us, and, and we do it for you and couldn't do it without you. So thanks. That'll do it. My name is Greg Rubel for my partners, Hans Olsen and Mitchell Jurgens. In the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Go Cougs. You have been listening to live coverage of BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by All Pro Capital Real Estate Investments. By Les Olson IT, your office technology partner. BYU Football is also brought to you by Smith's Food and Drug. Fresh for everyone. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Shane Reese, Vice President Keith Vorking, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorships Casey Stauffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU Sports Network.